Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. We're beginning a brand new series called For the Future. I want this thing to outlive us. I want, I want our legacy to outlive us. I want this church to, I, want the, I don't want this church to die with me. There's one thing I, I don't want to take to my grave and this, that's this church. I want to make sure that I can hand it off to the next generation and to the generation after that and to the generation after that to these babies that are, that are being held here, to these kids that are walking around here. I, I, I want them to have a church because someone left this church to us. And I want to do the same for the future. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to infuse this church with vision and alignment, get us together on the same page. How many of you received from the Holy Hurt series? You received from God, you were healed. I believe we, we were healed. And now it's, time to, now it's time to pursue what's next, you know? We don't want to stay in a perpetual state of hurt, and instead we want to heal, and then we want to steward the miracle of the healing by moving forward to the future. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark in the first chapter. That's going to be on the right-hand side of your Bible. Uh, Matthew, Mark, so the second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, Jesus is beginning his Galilean ministry after John has prepared the way for him. John was this cool dude, and he ate locusts and honey. He would be in the streets. He was a street, street guy. He was on the streets just telling people, Jesus is coming. Prepare the way. Repent, for Jesus is coming. And now uh, John's ministry is coming to a close, and Jesus is, is actually fulfilling all the things that John has talked to them about. And when John sees Jesus coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the guy I was telling you about, essentially. And he baptizes Jesus, and Jesus is led into the wilderness, and Verse 14 of Mark chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version because I really like the way that this one phrase is worded, and that's where we'll find our time together today. I'm excited to preach. I'm stoked, out of my mind. If I get a little crazy, don't worry. It's just, I'm fired up today. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now after John was put in prison, anytime you follow God, persecution will follow you, Okay. If you, if you want to really go all in, just expect some handcuffs to click because of how much you believe. Expect you having to call somebody to bail you out. If you're really loving God, and listen, we're not getting, it's not getting any better around here. Our faith is, is, is under attack in small ways and eventually will be under attack in big ways. And so we got to preach the gospel while we can. We got to preach Jesus while we can. And we'll continue to preach Jesus. And if you have to bail me out, then we'll keep preaching Jesus. John was put in prison. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is what he's saying, verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled. Oh, I love that phrase. There's a lot of heaviness to that. The the time is fulfilled, meaning uh, y'all have been waiting, and what you've been waiting for is about to happen. It's about to be accomplished. It's about to be fulfilled. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what do we do when the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand? We must repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Father, we love you today. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We will shout Jesus from the mountains. We will shout Jesus in the streets. We will shout Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And we will shout Jesus over our family. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And we repent and we believe because the time is fulfilled. Help me preach today. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you guys know who Flavor Flav is? Yeah, boy! For the white folks in the room, let me explain to you who Flavor Flav is. Flavor Flav is what the hip-hop community, are they a community? I guess they are a community. The hip-hop subculture calls a hype man. Do you guys know what a hype man is? Their skills are not in the production. Their skills are not in rhyming or rapping. Their skills are not in singing on key. Their skills are in the hype industry, okay? Yeah, boy! He says two words. He, uh, Flava Flav has a brand. Do you guys know Flava Flav's brand? It's very iconic. I think they have a picture of Flavor Flav, just to enlighten those who might not know who he is. There's Flavor Flav. Uh, Flavor Flav is known for the clock that he carries around his neck. Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. What? You know, uh, this is plastic. Just in case you're wondering, like, are our tithes and offerings going to bling out the pastor? No. It's plastic. Amazon Prime, $14.99, I think, something like that. But anyways, uh, Flava Flav has a brand. He's known for the clocks around his neck, if you know anything about Flava Flav. And uh, he's got this, you know, he's just a hype man. He's just in the background. He's just rapping alongside the other rappers, their last line. Or he's gathering the people saying, jump, 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 get on your feet, you old yeah, boy. You know, he's a hype man. And I was doing some research uh, on the great theologian, you know, Flava Flav, trying to figure out why he's so obsessed with clocks. You know, like, what's the deal with the clock, dude? Like, these are not just like... Now, a lot of, a lot of hip-hop community members, they'll, they'll flaunt their Rolex, but Flava Flav is taking it to another level. Sometimes he'll have multiple clocks around his neck. And, and I was doing some research, and I, it was a very credible source, Wikipedia, which is so credible. And... And uh, it, said, it said that Flavor Flav is obsessed with clock because he knows that he, can, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't know when this will be his last day alive, that he wants to value time. And that every, every chance he gets to be reminded of how much time he has left here on earth, he wants to remind himself of that time is short, that time is of the essence, that time is ticking away. He's obsessed with ensuring that he maximizes every moment because he doesn't know when he'll have his last minute, which I thought was very interesting. This word time in the sense that Flavor Flav promotes is the original word chronos. Chronos, if you're taking notes today. This is the ticking of a clock. This is uh, time is ticking away. This is uh, what I have here on this screen in front of me telling me that I have a certain amount of time left to preach to you today. This is a, a, a movement of time. This chronos is dealing with specifically a ticking of a clock or the passing of a second, an event or a point in time when, when you know that it's moving, it's, it's unstoppable. You can't stop time. Some of you have tried with plastic surgery to pause time or to stop time. But you can't stop it. It will always be ticking away and away and away and away. Kronos is the watch. It's the clock. It's the ticking of time. But this is not the word that Jesus used in this passage when he said the time is fulfilled. He wasn't talking about an hour or a minute or a second. He was talking about the second definition of time, which is Kairos. 
Kairos, Kairos time. So we have Kronos time, which is Flava Flav's time. Like, I don't know how much time I have left. And then there is Kairos time. Kairos is a holy moment, a fixed moment, a definition in time. Kairos is something that you will not forget. Kairos is like this wedding ring. This was a Kairos moment in my life. This does not tell time. It points me back to a time. Does that make sense? Kronos is the ticking of the clock, but Kairos is the moment where everything comes together. I was married quite young. I met my wife quite young. I met her in, uh, when I was in eighth grade. I was uh, 14 years old. And um, to God be the glory, she stayed with me. And even if she leaves me, I'm going with her. We are about to celebrate 15 years of marriage. I know what you're thinking. How can a 17-year-old be married for 15 years? We, uh, I remember the times where we had Kairos moments, first kiss, first date. I think they have a picture of how it was when we met. Oh, my gosh. Thank God for his grace on my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He has been good to me, and she has been so gracious with me. Kairos moments. Our first date was at Disney World. That was actually probably our first kiss, too. Don't do that. Okay, we were 14, though. And uh, our marriage, our, our wedding day was a Kairos moment. Kairos is an interesting thing. When Jesus says the time is fulfilled, he's saying that this is a holy collision, that the spiritual and the mundane are intersecting, and that you'll never forget this moment. The time is fulfilled. Kairos is a holy collision between the divine and mundane. You've been there before. You've been just about your regular day, and all of a sudden the Spirit grips you, and you have a kairos moment with the Lord, a clarifying, defining moment where nothing else will ever be the same after the kairos moment. This church is full of kairos moments. You've been baptized in water. You had a kairos moment with the Lord, a moment that you will not forget. It wasn't the ticking. It wasn't a chronos moment. It was a kairos moment. And Jesus embodies these kairos moments. And John is put in prison and he's saying, now is the time. The time is being fulfilled. This is my kairos moment. It is being fulfilled. So what do we do? How do we handle these kairos callings? What is the makeup of a kairos calling? Like, I want that, Lord. I want a holy intersection between the mundane and the supernatural. I want the spiritual and the mundane to intersect, and I want to experience a kairos moment, and I want that for you. So how does it start? Well, at first, it starts with collision. It starts with the collision. This is when mundane and holy inter intersect, and they collide. You've been there before. I remember when I was there, when I got saved, I was eight years old, grew up in a somewhat Christian home, I'd say, but I had not ever made the decision to follow Jesus for myself. And my dad was dragging me around the world. We were on a mission trip to Venezuela, and I was eight years old. My grandfather was preaching the good news like I'm going to do today. He presented with an opportunity to submit your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
And at eight years old, I had this Kairos moment in the, in the middle of Ecuador with an interpreter as my grandfather was preaching. And I walked down the aisle and submitted my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That was a Kairos moment for me. It's a moment that I'll never forget. Maybe you've experienced that moment before, a Kairos moment, the collision between the mundane and holy. And when they intersect, your life is changed forever. This church is built on Kairos moments. It's built on the moment when you realize that you don't have to walk this life alone. It's built on the moment when you realize that you didn't have to suffer from that disease anymore. It's built on the moment when you said yes to Jesus and you went to that baptismal tank. It's built on those moments when you experience freedom and healing and, 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 and redemption from the Father. It is a, it's, we're full of Kairos moments. The time is fulfilled. The, the other word that I, I find interesting is the word fulfilled. Pleru is how it's pronounced, to make full or to fill up or to fill to the full, to cause to abound and to furnish or supply liberally. How awesome is God that he doesn't just give us what we need, but he fills us to overflowing. How awesome is God that he doesn't just give us half of a measure, but his measuring cup is pressed down shaken together, running over with room for more. Not only has the time come, but the time is fulfilled. This Kronos moment will exceed your expectations. That's why I think expectancy is the breeding ground for the miraculous. Because when you come in expecting God to do greater things, he'll do even greater things than you could ask or imagine. Why? Because he is the God that has Kronos, that has Kairos moments fulfilled to the full, overflowing. I have come to give you life, is what the Bible says. It doesn't stop there, though. And life more abundantly, life to the fullest. God is in the business of not meeting your measuring stick, but instead exceeding your expectations to the degree where you couldn't even have imagined what God would do in your life. And I believe that blessing is coming to you today. That this is a Kairos moment. We're not just here passing the Kronos time. We're not just here waiting for something to happen. We are here in a kairos, a holy intersection, a moment of calling. So this collision is so important. Not only had the time come, but the moment of fulfillment is here. It is overflowing with potential and power and provision. Jesus had just faced great suffering in the desert, and he knew that it was time to fulfill the kairos moment. Jesus captured his Kairos moment, and he is calling us to do the same. The kingdom of God broke through in the person of Jesus, and the kingdom continues to break through in the prevailing church of Jesus Christ, which we are today. I believe that this series is a Kairos moment for us. It's not a Kronos series. It's a Kairos series. So what do you do after the collision, after I've, I've, I've been arrested by the Spirit, I've been gripped by the, the, by the presence of God, something has happened where the mundane and the miraculous have intersected and they're crossing. And now, how do I handle this collision? Well, the second step is the consecration. Nobody likes consecration. Can I just tell you right now? You, rare, you rarely get to a Kairos calling without a season of consecration. Jesus 
Jesus, the Son of the living God, the one who could have came straight down, died on a cross without ever suffering, without ever doing anything, goes 40 days in the wilderness. Why? Because he knew that the weight of the kairos required a season of consecration. You want to be a doctor? You want to be a medical doctor? Guess what? There's a season of medical school. It's consecration. You want to be a hairstylist? There's a season of consecration where you're building up your client list and getting uh, all the official passes and, and certifications. If you want to do anything worth doing, a lot of times there's going to be a season of consecration. Many times we give up in the middle of our calling because we're trying to avoid the consecration seasons. A lot of people say, I want to be called, but I don't want to be consecrated. You cannot be called without being consecrated. And it, consecration is not fun. The, the, the Bible says, consecrate yourself for in three days, you're going to cross the Jordan River. You're going to cross. And, and, and it took consecration for the people of God to leave their old life. See, consecration is not just getting out of Egypt. It's getting the Egypt out of you. Many of us want to be set free from Egypt, but we want to have the mentality that our generations have carried. And I want to consecrate ourselves as a church because this is a Kairos moment. The fulfillment of time has come and I can't go into my next while still living with on the same mindset of my ladder. This is a consecration season. Consecration always precedes Kairos callings. Anytime God is about to do something amazing in our lives, he calls us to consecrate ourselves to him. Moses has this burning bush moment, and he says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy. What is that? That's consecration. That's consecration. Jesus has a 40-day fast in the wilderness. I remember my moment of consecration. You're going to laugh. But I was saved at eight, but I, I had not consecrated myself to the call of God until I had come to the knowledge of my calling at around the age 14. How many of you gave your parents a hard time at age 14? I gave my parents a real hard time. They couldn't find me some days. Where you been? The skate park. That's where all rebellious people go. I go to the skate park. <laughs> and I lived in Europe at the time. And in Europe, they have like street vendors. In Madrid, where I lived, I was 14 years old. And I was, I was in rebellion. And there was this guy. He had a trench coat. He opened up his trench coat and out flopped out all these DVDs. They were bootleg, you know? Y'all know about bootleg DVDs? Like somebody stood in the theater with a handy cam, right? Trying to film it. You can see people walking back and forth. The, but, but you got to see, you got to see the bootleg DVD, that, you know, for five, for five euros. He said, I got all the DVDs you want for five euros. On the other side, he had adult movies, but I didn't, I didn't buy from that side. I, I, I wasn't that rebellious. I was, only, I was only the right side rebellious, you know what I'm saying? I said, I, said, I want that DVD. I knew that this movie had, was gaining popularity. It was in the theaters. It was rated R. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was not only rebellion to my parents. It was not of God for me to uh, have that in my house. It was, bringing, it was opening up the door for other rebellion to uh, have access. Some of you need to go through your closet. You need to go through your DVD shelf and not allow open doors. You need to consecrate yourself. And I had a little personal DVD player. Do y'all remember those? They, this is like before iPads. Y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? It skipped if you, if you dropped it or anything like that. And no, these kids won't know nothing about no skipping. No scratching, no scratch. They won't know nothing about that. Everything is streaming. Everything is fine. Everything is smooth. They won't know nothing about tapes, getting caught in the tape deck, having to take a pencil, having to take a pencil and twist it back. 
I had a personal DVD player, and I'd watch that movie, and I knew I shouldn't watch that movie, and it had a scene in it that I knew was inappropriate, and it, 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 it had language in it throughout the whole movie that I knew was inappropriate, but in my rebellion, I tried to normalize my sin and justify my sin, and God called me to consecration, and I'll never forget. I can hear the sound of, of, of God calling me to crack. He said, break that DVD. Crack it. Like, like, break it in half. Consecrate yourself. I'm going to call you to great things, young man. But you cannot live off the coattails of your grandfather and your father. You must consecrate yourself. And I had a Kairos moment. It wasn't at the altar call. They didn't have a DVD burning. It was me, myself, and the Lord. And I decided to consecrate myself at 14. And I'm not even going to tell you what movie it is because some of you might like that movie. And then God will judge you on, on whether or not it was your, your DVD collection is appropriate or not. But for me, at 14, it wasn't about really the movie. It was about the spirit of rebellion that came with me hiding that movie from my parents. And I could still hear the plastic breaking of that DVD. And I can, I, I can still, to this day, remember the Kairos moment of consecration that I had. And I'm convinced that had I not consecrated myself then, I might not be here right now. I didn't know what it would look like. But I knew that in order to have a prophetic glimpse of my calling, in order to be able to see a window into our future, in order for God to use me at a higher capacity, I had to consecrate myself in the smallest area. Some of you would say, that's a great movie. There's nothing wrong with that movie. At that time in my life, it was everything holding me back from the calling of God on my life. To you, it might be a simple act of breaking a DVD. To some of you, it might be the simple act of blocking your ex-boyfriend that you always go back to. For some of you, it might be deleting a certain app on your phone that always takes you down a path that you know you should not go. For some of you, it will be to stop working late when it's just you and your secretary left in the office. I do not know what needs to be consecrated, but you will not see God's calling fulfilled on your life unless you spiritually consecrate Consecrate yourself for what God would have for you to do. It's not popular. It's not popular, but it's necessary. I want to do amazing things for God. And God also wants to do amazing things for us. It is our job to consecrate ourselves. The word consecrate means to set yourself apart. Set yourself apart. Consecrate yourself. By definition, consecration demands full devotion. You can't be half consecrated. There's no such thing as halfway consecrated. You either are or you aren't. And in, it requires dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus Christ. It's the complete divorce from all self-interest. It's giving God all veto power in your life. It's surrendering all of you to all of him. It's the simple recognition that every second of time, every ounce of energy, and every penny that I make is a gift from God and for God. Consecration is an ever-deepening love for Jesus, a childlike trust in a heavenly Father, a blind obedience to the Holy Spirit. Consecration is all that and a thousand things more. But for the sake of simplicity, I'll give you my personal definition of consecration. Consecration is following completely after Christ. No one and nothing else. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. A season of consecration is upon us where we deny ourselves and we pick up our cross and follow Jesus to be called in this Kairos moment. 
So we have the collision when God arrests your spirit. Then we have the consecration. when you t- It's the gap between when the collision happened and when your calling is fulfilled. There is a season of consecration. We, did you know when we, when we started this church, the Lord spoke to me. I was 24 years old. I don't recommend anything I'm sharing with you today. Don't get married at 19. <laughs> don't have three kids before you're 24. And don't start a church from scratch without knowing a single person at 24. Unless the Lord, it had to be God. It had to be God. I remember I was 24 years old. Uh, we were broke. When I say broke, like really broke. Uh, we had to decide between our electric bill and our cell phone bill during this season, pre-launch, before we started the church. And we decided we would keep the kids warm and we would go without a cell phone. So I could only talk to my mom when there was Wi-Fi. She'd be like, why aren't your text messages going through? My, my phone is broken. Y'all ever had your phone broken before? <laughs> you were broke, but your phone wasn't broke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And I, I remember this season of consecration where I, I, I was working at Panera Bread for $7.25 an hour. And I would ask my manager at Panera Bread, would you please not throw the, the leftover bagels in the dumpster? Would you just leave them outside the dumpster? And when I get off work, I'll take that garbage bag. And I would take the garbage bag full of bagels. We only had one car. And I would walk home with a trash bag of bagels on my shoulder. And I knew if it wasn't God... I would have quit. But it was a season of consecration. God teaching me that I have to go without some things that I like in order to pursue the calling of God on my life. There's a season of consecration happening again. Maybe it's all fancy now. Now we got screens and lights and people. But I don't know about you. I don't ever want to outgrow a season of consecration. I don't ever want to graduate above holiness and righteousness and giving everything we own back to God. I don't ever want to get so comfortable that I don't consecrate myself to the Lord. God called us to a 40-day fast before we started this church. Liquids only for 40 days. Only God. If you see pictures of me during the launch service, I look, I don't even look thin. I look sick. But it was consecration. It was, it was this desire, the 40 days of focus, it was the, this desire that, that God would be in everything we did. That this church just wouldn't be an idea of a man, but it would be a movement that was God-ordained and of the Spirit. Consecration will set you apart. Consecration is following after Christ completely. Well, what do we do after consecration? Then you receive the call. Many of you want to get to the call, but you haven't gone through consecration. The Kairos call to follow Christ is the first one, but it is not the last one. This is the first moment you need to see fulfilled, but not the last moment God wants to take you on in your life. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Kronos. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love that we are called. I love that this isn't just about my calling, but it's about our calling. It's about our calling. 1 Peter 2.9 says, if you are, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once you were not a people, 
but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank God that he didn't leave us where we found him. Thank God that he has taken us from the miry clay and set our feet upon solid rock. Thank God that he didn't leave you in your despair, in your dysfunction. Thank God that he has called us to a higher place. Thank God that he has called us to a place of understanding, a place of knowledge and wisdom. Thank God he called me. Thank God he called you. Thank God. Thank God we are a chosen people, a consecrated people, a holy people, a set apart. I had a Kairos moment when I was eight in Venezuela on a missions trip. I had another Kairos moment when I was 14 when I broke the DVD and consecrated myself to him. And then I had another Kairos moment when I realized that I couldn't just be in ministry because my dad and my granddad were in ministry, that I needed an individual call where I wasn't hanging on to the coattails of the generational blessing that I inherited, but instead that I was establishing my identity in Christ and my own calling. And many people, many people have grown comfortable and think that the salvation of their parents will get them into heaven. And I want to clarify today that God has called you as an individual. He has called you as a holy people set apart and you can be called by God. I remember it vividly. Another Kairos moment at a place called Masterpiece Gardens. It's a campground. It's as old as it sounds. It's as moldy as it sounds. Bunk beds is basically like jail for Christians for a week. Slopping whatever food they have on the tray. Doing the cup song. Flipping the cup. Water slide. Can't go into the lake. It's in... Florida, you get eaten up in a second, so no mixed bathing, right? Boys swim, girls swim. We do not swim together, God forbid. And I remember in this gymnasium, metal chairs, very uncomfortable chairs. You are, you are blessed with these chairs because these metal chairs at Masterpiece Gardens, they were the same chairs that Jesus used when he fed the 5,000. I mean, they were old, man. Pastor Jim Rayley was speaking, a revivalist, a pastor from Florida, bringing the heat. And I remember I was 14, 15 years old, dating my wife. She was in the same camp at the time. And he said, if you are called to the ministry, make your way down here to the front. And I was arrested in that moment to not live my life in accordance to my father's calling. To not live my life in accordance to my grandfather's calling. But to receive a Kairos calling as an individual. And it was there where I said yes, not only to Jesus, but yes to the call. I want this church to be a church where people not only say yes to Jesus, but they say yes to the call. The call to start that nonprofit, the call to start that life group, the call to start that ministry, the call to start the business, the call to start something great for the kingdom of God. I want this church to be a house of Kairos moments, a creative house where songs are being birthed, sermons are coming forth, small groups are life-giving. I don't want us to be a church that has no one that's called but the pastor. You are not here to witness my calling. I'm here to help you receive your calling. The Kairos moment that lives inside of you. 
I've got my Kairos, and my Kairos is to help you have your Kairos. I'm committing my Kairos to making sure you have a Kairos. It would be a shame if all we did was talk about my Kairos and not allow you to use your Kairos on the keyboard or your Kairos in the small group or your Kairos in the accounting department or your Kairos in the, in the coffee shop. I am here to facilitate a church that watches other people's gifts flourish and succeed where no one is above the other and all of us are happy to watch other people succeed. Immaturity is when you cannot celebrate the successes of others. Maturity says, when you win, I win. That's the Kairos call. I'll never forget it. I spent what seemed like hours at the altar that day in Masterpiece Gardens, and the Lord called me into full-time ministry. But I didn't just get up and go into full-time ministry. There was a season where I had to learn and go to school and grow up and still growing up. Still going to school, still learning. Why? Because the calling, I never want to graduate from this sensitivity to the Kairos moments. I never want to graduate and say, I have arrived. This is full-time ministry. I'm in full-time ministry, vocational full-time ministry. Wow. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because the call, the, the, the chronos is light. That's just the ticking of the time. But the Kairos is heavy. The Kairos has weight to it. And the Kairos has cost. It has cost. There is the collision. There is the consecration. There is the cost. What you see here on this platform is not really indicative of the cost. You don't know how much it cost. I don't know how much it cost. But there is cost involved as John begins to play. I'm afraid we've cheapened the gospel by allowing people to buy in without selling out. My greatest concern as a pastor is that people can go to church every week of their lives and never go all in with Jesus Christ. They follow the rules, but they never follow Christ. The moment you bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, all your sin is transferred to Christ's account and it's paid in full. It was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago, but that's only half the gospel. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's the wrath of God, what we deserve. Grace is getting what you do, deserve, do not deserve, the righteousness of Christ. Everything you've done wrong has been forgiven and forgotten. And everything Christ did, his righteousness, has been transferred to your account. It's like God says, I'll take the blame for everything you did wrong. And I'll give you the credit for everything I did right. It doesn't get any better than that. That's why it's called the gospel. It's not just good news. It's the best news. The gospel costs nothing. We cannot buy it or earn it. It can only be received as a free gift, compliments of God's grace. So it costs nothing, but it demands everything. And that's where most of us get stuck. We get stuck in what I call spiritual no man's land. We're too Christian to enjoy sin, but too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've just got enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough Jesus to be transformed. 
We want everything God has to offer without giving anything up. We want to buy in without selling out. We're afraid that if we don't hold on to God, we'll miss out on what this life has to offer. It's a lie, the same lie that the serpent told Adam and Eve in the garden. God is not holding out on you. This may seem counterintuitive, but I'm convinced that it's true. The key to self-fulfillment is self-denial. In the church of America, we're giving people just enough Jesus to be bored, but not enough to feel the surge of holy adrenaline that courses through the veins when you decide to follow him no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. What I have learned is that you cannot be in the presence of God and be bored at the same time. For that matter, you cannot be in the will of God and be bored at the same time. If you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, there it will be anything but boring. Trust me, I know been following Jesus since I was eight years old and it's been it's been an adventure the choice is yours if you don't go all in you'll never enter the promised land but if you go all out and follow him God will part the Jordan River so you can cross through on dry ground when you look back on your life and the greatest moments will be when you went all in They'll be at your Kairos moments. When you're following Christ, it's as true today as it was the day Abram placed Isaac on the altar, the day Jonathan climbed a cliff to fight the Philistines, or the day that Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. When you go all in, you will take up your cross daily and follow him. Our normal is so subnormal that normal seems radical. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. Our normal is so subnormal that normal seems radical. The disciples took the call to follow Jesus. Literally, they dropped their nets. They carried their cross and they followed him. We can at least take this figuratively today. I'm not suggesting that we all go die for Christ today, but we must die to ourselves. It's time to ante up. It's time to go all in. If Jesus is not the Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. It's all or nothing. Most people in most churches think they're following Jesus, but I'm not so sure. They may think that they are following Jesus, but the reality is this. They have invited Jesus to follow them. They call him Savior, but they've never surrendered to him as Lord. Trust me, I was one of them. I was one of them. I didn't go anywhere without Jesus right behind me. But I want Jesus to follow me, serve my purposes, to do my will. But it is the other way around when you have Kairos moments and you exchange from Jesus following you to you follow Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. I want this to be our Kairos moment as a church, a moment where we abandon all self and we follow God fully in the fulfillment of time. That these Kairos moments would come with such increased expectation that your life could be changed forever. This is a house of miracles. It's a house of Kairos moments. And I want to invite you to join me on this journey of watching people's lives changed 
frequently at Focus Church. Let me share with you one story of my friend named Cam, and then we'll wrap things up. My name is Cam, and this is my story. As a family, I have an older brother. I've got my two parents. From the outside, we just looked perfect. The household was just filled with love. And then I really got involved into sports. I am a big guy, so I thought I'd give a, a shot at playing football. Stepped on the football field my first time, fell in love with playing football. Played all through elementary school, middle school, high school, um, and then even went to, had the opportunity to go play in college. All of those years we were playing, that's what really brought our family together was playing sports. They fell in love with watching me play. It removed distractions for three or four hours a week. They got to watch their boy play ball. Football became my identity. It became who I was. Like I said, I had the opportunity to go play college football. Got to play ball at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. I played there for four years. I redshirted my first year. So what that means is I was given another year to play so I could have played four or five years. I was so wrapped up in, you know, going to the next level, being the best. I would work out for hours and that just bred performance in me. If I were to mess up on a play and a coach would call me out, I would lose sleep that entire night. And then that overthinking led to even more overthinking in um, aspects outside of football. And in turn, really neglected my relationship with the Lord. Starting my fourth year, I knew it was time for me to be done with football. And as a decision I had been praying about and talking to friends, talking to mentors, if I should continue. I knew that I wasn't gonna go to the next level. I knew I wasn't going to play in the NFL. And I took into account my mental health. And it was a decision that I had come to peace with. The core of my family um, and our identity was wrapped up in me playing football. So when I sat them down and shared this with my family, this came as a complete shock. They were fully expecting me to have played that one more year, so they are expecting to, for me to have two more years. But in reality, they only had one more year to watch their boy play football. They didn't know what to say. They were silent. They actually hung up on me. I was in tears. I was shattered because I knew that they thought I was quitting. I thought that I was a letdown. I was a disappointment. And all of those things were eventually spoken over me by my father on the phone coming from someone you've looked up to your whole life, someone that you've shared all of these memories with, say those things was very, very hurtful. Now, I didn't respond in the best way either, so it's not 100% their fault. They did the best that they could do with what they knew, and I honestly did not respond to their response as well as I could have. There was no grace, there was no mercy, there was a lot of screaming and yelling tears, fighting. We went through a time of about a year, a year and a half where things were very rocky. There was really no relationship with my father. I didn't really want to have anything to do with him simply because of a decision that I made that was best for me and where I was in this season of life. And so it was just weird. The decision that I was so confident in immediately became a question. Like, should I really do this? Should I come back and play one more year. 
um, at the expense of my mental health. And so it wasn't until I started coming to Focus that I got connected with Pastor Dave and I heard about a healing and freedom session and the way I was brought up, you know, healing and freedom wasn't really um, talked about. And then I actually went through uh, a healing and freedom session with Pastor Dave in March of this year. I didn't know what I needed broken off of me. And so I just went in with no expectations and I went in with an open heart and I immediately asked the Lord to, you know, reveal to me, you know, what needs to happen during this session. Within a second, it was like, you need to forgive your father. You need to forgive the words that were said over you. You need to forgive yourself for the, the depressive state you fell into. You need to forgive yourself for the things that you spoke about yourself. And so I remember we reflected on memories, painful memories, and the memory that came to mind was the one where I was telling my parents that I wasn't playing football anymore. And then I remember sitting in the Healing and Freedom just becoming so overwhelmed with anger. I was sweating. I was clenching my fists, I was pulling my hair, not knowing what to do. And then Pastor Dave just said, lean back and release. And so I did, and I just started crying, bawling my eyes out. I just felt this load that I didn't even know I had been carrying just be released off of my shoulders. I felt free, I felt light. My heart felt a way that it has never felt before. So not even three minutes after the session was over, I had missed a call from my dad. That was perfect timing for the Lord for, for me to explain the reality of what I had been going through, the depressive states, the suicidal thoughts. And I got to just share all of that with my dad. And we talked for almost two hours. We reconciled. I told him directly over the phone. I said, you know, I forgive you for everything that you did. I forgive you for the words that you spoke over me. I forgive you for um, the pain. I love you so much and I'm so grateful to have you as a dad. And that's not really something that, you know, I'd ever thought I would have to say. The freedom that I had experienced because of that healing and freedom session with Pastor Dave changed the trajectory of my life. From where I was to where I am now, there are so many hopes that I have for people that I come in contact with every single day, and especially on Sunday mornings. There have been countless people that have come up to me simply because of my story and just thanked me. So the Lord is really using my story to help people forgive. I'm in a community now of believers who have the same mission as I do, and that is to make Jesus known, and is to love hearts back to life, and just to be a light in such a dark world. As I look towards the future, I look to just starting a ministry. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I know that I'm just supposed to be with God's people and listen to their stories, because we're not meant to do this life alone. We need community surrounding us to help us walk through these painful journeys in life and ultimately lead them back to the Lord because without Jesus Christ and His forgiveness for us, we can never offer someone else forgiveness if we don't first understand that we have been forgiven by Jesus. Cam is here on the front row. Let's give it up for all that God has done in his life. That's a Kairos moment. That's a Kairos moment. That's a Kairos moment that you had. And I would hate for your Kairos moment to be the last Kairos moment 
but instead let us set, let us set up a church where generations of Kairos moments take place under the umbrella. Let's create generational Kairos moments together. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, in your hand, you have a pamphlet, and on the back of it, it has a verse that the Lord showed me to be our foundational verse for this initiative that we're calling for the future. It says this in Psalm 102, 18, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created will praise the Lord. That a people not yet created, meaning your grandkids, your great-grandkids, that we would create a space, a place, free from debt, free from deferred maintenance, that they will praise the Lord. What is for the future? I'm really glad you're asked. I'm really glad you came to church today, and I'm glad you're interested. On September 9, 2012, Focus Church was launched with the God-given vision to see people experience life change through Christ. We do this by encountering God through our weekend experiences, developing real relationships through life groups, making a difference through our outreach, discovering our purpose through serving, and leaving a legacy in the next generation. Through this campaign, we plan to build a brand new facility and become debt-free to God be the glory. This dream seems nearly impossible, which means that it's just the right size for God to lead and for us to follow, for us not to get in front of him as we leave a legacy for the future. I know there's a lot of things going on in your mind right now. I know that you want a lot of details, but I'll just kind of give you a, a quick blurb as to how you get involved. For the Future is a two-year initiative. We are asking each person to pray about what financial commitment they could make and then obey whatever God is asking them to do between now and December 2023. Now, next week, I'm going to be revealing our building plans. I'm going to show you uh, what we believe God has called us to build debt-free. I think it's a very important season in our church. For 30 years, we've been under the weight of the same amount of debt. And we're going to break that curse over this house. In Jesus' name, together. There's only one special night that I would like to invite you to, and that's called Advanced Commitment Night. It'll be on October 29th at 6.30 p.m. We're going to have a hayride. We're going to take you down to the field where we're going to put the new building. We're going to have some s'mores, some hot dogs, some hamburgers, fire pits. You're going to have a really good time. And what it's going to be, it's going to be our Kairos moment with our commitment. You don't have to fill this out today. Now, if you want to, and God told you, God already spoke to you, you can write the $2 million check today, and we'll change the sermon series by next Sunday. I'll just show you the plans, and to God be the glory, we'll cut the ribbon, you know? But what I've discovered in seasons like this is it's never really equal amount, but it's always equal sacrifice. It's always equal. So for some of you, $5,000 would be a sacrifice. For others of you, $500,000 would be a sacrifice. Wherever you land, I'm just asking for you to join Ashton and I in a sacrificial season. And if you can give me two years of Kronos, we can create three, four, five generations of Kairos. If you can sacrifice with me for two years of Kronos, then we could see God do some incredible things generationally with Kairos. Are you with me? Some of you are like, not anymore. I'm going to the church down the road. 
I know you have a lot of questions. I know that there's a lot of details that go unanswered. Next week, I'll present to you the actual project overview. But for now, I would like for you to take this home and to take these two pieces of material home and just pray on it. Ask God what he might have you do. There are stories coming in from our leaders that absolutely are astonishing. I can't wait to share the story next week. There's some crazy God moments, Kairos moments happening with people who are stepping up to give more than ever before. And I believe this. I believe that this moment, you'll look back at this moment five years from now, 10 years from now, and you'll say, man, that was a Kairos moment for our church. When we got rid of the debt, we got into a new building, and now there are more people than ever before being reached for Jesus. With all that being said, if you've never followed God before, you're like, Pastor, you're going to ask for $2 million and then do a salvation call? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's really not about the money. It all belongs to God anyways. It's about you having a Kairos moment right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Mike, I came in here today and I've never had a Kairos moment where I've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is not my Savior. He is not my Lord. But I'm ready to receive the mercy and the grace that came through the cross of Jesus Christ. If that's you, just very quickly, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to make you walk the aisle, but I do want you to acknowledge your need for Jesus today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now so that I can pray for you? You say, that's me. I'm, I want to have a, a Kairos moment with the Lord. I want to be saved. Just shoot it up high enough so that I can see it. Sir, I see you. Sir, I see you. This is a Kairos moment in your life. Right now, someone is coming to bring you a, a, a little card, and you could take that card to the prayer tent. Anyone else? Praise God. It's not in vain today. Praise God. I see you, young man. I see you. I see you, young man. I'm praying for you, sir. I'm praying for you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? You're ready to have a Kairos moment. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you, God, for reminding us it's not about a building. It's not about brick and mortar, but it's about souls for the kingdom. The time is being fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe. For the sake of those that just raised their hand, would you repeat after me, everyone, at the sound of my voice? Say, Father God, I give my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me of my sins. I'll never forget this Kairos moment. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for all those that just got saved. Welcome to the family of God. That's a big deal. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com slash focus church. Join us next week for another incredible message.